It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Gino time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine, Monday through Friday, taking us with you everywhere you go so you can listen to us at your own convenience, whether you want to listen to us instead of those idiots on the radio that don't really watch the games. Whatever it is, thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales and... Sam Packard talking about a signature win, the second signature win of the season. Celtics 120-109 winners over the Houston Rockets a day after their third loss in a row in embarrassing fashion to the Washington Wizards. And full disclosure, Sam and I, after the show yesterday, were trying to figure out how do we look at this game today and how do we break it down when the Celtics get blown out because the way they were playing over three straight games, we were saying there's no way the Celtics going to go out there against Houston next and keep this thing together. We have have to figure out what if the Celtics get blown out podcast. We're not just sitting there bitching for, for 30 minutes. And I guess, Sam, we should be thanked because it was clearly our planning for the Celtics to get blown out that inspired them subconsciously through the ethos to put up 120 points and beat the Rockets tonight. It's the only thing that makes any sense. I mean, we each chose a different aspect of of their defense to focus on, and it really felt like they knew we were watching and we were going to be kind of glued in. They didn't want to. They didn't want to have to tune into the reigning Jays for a, a second consecutive night and hear about how badly they played. So they they stepped it up tonight, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and did a great job against one of the league's best offenses. And I thought they basically made James Harden. I mean, James Harden still got to the line because that's what James Harden does. But he was only six for eighteen, and I thought he looked. I don't want to say pedestrian because he still looked like a superstar, but he did definitely did not dominate in the way that we are kind of used to seeing uh, James Harden do. Look, James Harden. Let's just get this out of the way. I was I was going to think about talking about this later, but I, I want to get this out of the way now. Screw it. I don't like James Harden. 
It's I, I want to like him as a pure basketball fan. I want to sit there and say, wow, look at this guy dropping 30, 12 assists, six rebounds. I just I don't I don't like him. I don't really like his game. He shot 16 of 19 from the line, which I'm not going to knock the guy. If he was on my team, I'd be celebrating this and saying, you find a way to score, but it's not fun to watch. He's got all of these little tricks. I called him the sneakiest player in the league, which is kind of like 80% compliment and 20% frustration. He does. I'm surprised the refs called this one. He did that little hook on Marcus Smart. They actually called the offensive foul on him. They never do. That's always he always draws fouls that way. When he when he drives, he always puts the ball way out front. He extends his arm on drives and just kind of swoops them up as he goes up to to score. It's almost he doesn't drive to score baskets. He drives to get fouls. And hey, it's effective. And it's helping his team win, and he's obviously scoring a ton of points. But I don't like – and beyond that, beyond that, the constant bitching that after every miss, he somehow gets fouled. And then that replay that showed him and Sam Decker going back to the bench, and he repeatedly was telling Decker, just pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it. Like, just calm the F down. Man, just calm down. I, I just don't I don't like Harden's game. I, I've really gotten sour on him. So I, I just put that out there. Screw it. I, I don't like James Harden. Yeah, no, the the it was a bad moment for him in the corner where he thought he drew a foul on Jalen Brown. He might have had a good argument then, but just to kind of to berate the ref uh constantly for going back down the court and then not have anything called for it, then the kind of the egregious I don't know if it was intentionally trying to slap Jarebko in the face or strike him in the face, but it's, I think he was trying to like kind of flail in that direction. I don't know if he's intending to make contact, but nothing about this game made me more of a James Harden fan. There is one aspect of his game that uh, just as a basketball fan I can't not appreciate is just he's an incredible passer, especially out of the pick and roll. Some of the passes he was able to find, his teammates uh, open for three tonight were – just kind of ones you shake your head at and go, oh, God damn, that's James Harden. So I agree with you about the herky-jerk fouls and kind of those little tricks. I actually saw some some members of the Rockets Twitter tonight saying like, man, he's not getting away with all his tricks. It's like someone cued in the refs who – entirely different topic. The referees tonight were absolutely absurd, and that's not normally something I like to ca- uh, talk about. But uh, I agree. Nothing about this game makes James Harden likable. But I think it's enough about the Rockets. We have to talk about yes. the Celtics – Let's get back, back to that. From, Sorry. It was fresh in my mind. I had to get that out. No, no, it's fair because uh, I was thinking something very similar. But so after getting basically attending their own funeral last night in the District of Columbia, oh. the, Celtics, <laughs> the Celtics came out tough tonight. And I think it started um, with Jay Crowder, who got the assignment to play defense on um, on James Harden. I thought he did uh, an amazing job. It felt like they really were trying to their strategy, at least in the pick and roll, was just to not basically make it so Harden to not have an easy path to the basket. So that was basically just making Harden force the ball to what started off was Clint Capella before he kind of got played off the floor because he was being so bad, and then Montrez Harrell, making them be the playmakers and decision makers, and it really worked out well for the Celtics, who were kind of able to get. Uh, 
consistent stops and the Rockets were really never able to to get in a rhythm. And I think Jay Crowder um, did a really good job of just getting being in the right position because we saw um, some other points when either Jarebko was switched on to Harden or Smart took some uh, chances at Harden that he was able to get to the basket um, with his relative ease. But every time he went against Crowder, it just wasn't the case. Yeah, and we we should point out that this was the a different kind of starting lineup tonight. Again, no Avery Bradley, and he, we won't see him in the next couple of games too. But the Celtics trotted out a, a different lineup that included it was Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, uh, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, who else? Uh, Jonas and Jonas uh, Jerebko and Horford. Al Horford. Yes. So that gave that did two things. It took uh, Amir Johnson off the court when the athletic forwards were out there for Houston, and it put a bigger Jay Crowder on James Harden for a good portion of the game. And yeah, it let it let Jalen Brown play with a bunch of better players, which I think was pretty important. And it worked out for the most part. <laughs> after the first quarter, you sent me the message: twenty seven points. After you only give twenty seven points, it's it's like a victory. So the uh, the the new starting lineup really kind of worked out for the Celtics, and and I think was the beginning of a bad shooting night for James Harden. He could just never get comfortable enough to, to catch fire. And so he re- resorted to his free throw parade, but he could never in the fourth quarter do a, a, a going on big takeover mode. So I, I think having Crowder on him for a big part of the night was was a big deal. Uh, and I think Crowder had a, a spectacular game. He was very active in this game. He drove a lot more. The final numbers for him... Uh, didn't shoot well from three, but everything else was okay. 23 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, a steal, a plus 15. Again, the good defense on, on Harden. Al Horford had a really good night. Another guy stepped up who, after the three losses in a row, we spent all day on Twitter defending Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas. And all Horford did was score 20 points, nine assists, another nine assists for Horford. He's passing the ball out of his mind this year. And three steals for him. And in the fourth quarter, he had uh, some nice production as well. Horford had seven points, was a plus 12 in the quarter, a steal and assist there, three of four, including a three, which was huge early. So... uh, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to get into this fourth quarter. Yeah, it's amazing that we've gone this far and haven't brought up, you know, that whole the, king and the king and the fourth guy. Yeah, the, and and to me, this was a beautiful fourth quarter. Not just because Isaiah had another thirteen point fourth quarter. He shot five of nine, one of four from three. Hit a couple of free throws. He had five assists, which is huge, 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 huge. And and this goes to something that I I'm constantly complaining about. The Celtics, I think, got into this bad habit because Isaiah had such a huge stretch of becoming a fourth-quarter hero that I think the Celtics just kind of got into this habit of standing and watching. And just, he would pass and get the ball back, and they'd be like, here, just take it back and go do your thing. And he would pass, and they'd give it back and go, no, 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 you go do your thing. But the reality is, they needed possessions like they had in this fourth quarter where sometimes Isaiah didn't touch the ball, where 
they just ran. Isaiah gave it up, and they just ran a side pick and roll or got it into Horford. There was a nice possession where he got it into Horford, and then Marcus Smart came down and made a cut. They didn't even score at that point, but they just kept working the ball around. And when you do that, you let Isaiah Thomas kind of sneak out and get baskets. I can't tell you how many times. There was one possession where Isaiah gave it up. Marcus Smart, uh, I forget what the order was. Marcus Smart drove into the lane, kicked it out to Jarebko. Jarebko drove into the lane, and then they had forced. Now, two guys drove it into the lane, kicked it out, and by that time, everybody had forgotten about Isaiah Thomas. Everybody was in rotation for Houston, and then Isaiah Thomas got a wide-open three at the top of the lane, drilled it. And to me, paint touches are supremely important in the fourth quarter if you want Isaiah Thomas to get going. Because once that ball touches the paint, somehow, whether it goes into Horford or somebody on the post, or you drive and kick or drive and dish, you get that ball into the paint, you force the defense to react, and you force more than one guy to react. If you're Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier or whomever, if you can get somehow pass your defender on a pick and roll or something, and you get into the lane, you force automatically at least two, usually three guys to turn their attention to you. And then once you kick it out, now naturally other guys, more than one guy is going to focus on that ball. And that allows whoever catches it, let's just say Crowder. And now he can catch and drive and... In all of that chaos, Isaiah Thomas gets free and he can start doing good things with the ball. That's what happens when Isaiah Thomas, when he's getting these big fourth quarters, that's what's happening. The ball works itself around and Horford hitting that big three early just forces the defense to respect other guys on the floor, respect Horford's shot. That is what opens things up. And then, then Isaiah Thomas goes and does his thing. But if you're just all standing around and nobody's being a threat, then Isaiah Thomas is really easy to guard. And you saw that a little bit in the past few games. He's really easy to guard because the other the, the help defense doesn't have to move. They just stand there in the lane and clog things up. So really nice to see that Celtics offense doing that tonight in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, it's it's really presenting that kind of that more dynamic offense early and showing that you're not completely reliant on just high pick and roll with Isaiah Thomas. And then um, once you kind of you do and you kind of get the defense on there, kind of looking and just knowing that they have to move when you do run that pick and roll not just standing on the three-point line waiting for the pass, but actually cutting, doing some movement. We saw Marcus Smart get the easy layup tonight. We saw um, Jay Crowder with a nice kind of cut to the three-point line when Isaiah Thomas got, actually got into the lane. It's that movement that surrounds the the high pick and roll that makes um, Isaiah Thomas so dangerous is that, yes, he has that crazy kind of finishing ability, and, of course, we saw that from him tonight. But he's also, when it comes time to make the right decision and find that pass, did a really good job of that tonight. Now, part of that is that the Rockets, I don't know exactly what their their pick and roll strategy was. It seems just like we're going to trap Isaiah on every single attempt and never guard anyone rolling to the basket. So, uh, assumingly, that made things uh, much easier for the Celtics in terms of just getting things going towards the basket. And that's where Al Horford really is fantastic, is playing that four-on-three game where he can either 
um, go up for the dunk or kind of make the pass to the cutting player. But the Celtics offense tonight was just, it, it was sensational. And it's kind of what we grew accustomed to over the past couple of weeks. Um, and that's what's going to happen. They get the stops when they kind of build up that energy. They're not going to be able to, it was after that Jarebko play and after he got bloody, the Celtics really locked in on defense, started getting steals, and then were incredibly engaged on the offensive end. So they were able to play with energy on both ends of the court. And that's what you need to do to win consistently in, in the NBA. And it was just a, a delight to see after kind of three crappy efforts. Yes, just that it all. I think it all kind of started with the angry Brad technical foul that really just we haven't seen the Celtics with this much energy, this much energy in a while. So I, I think I don't know. I think maybe uh, Brad Stevens needs to start going off a little bit more often. Well, yeah, angry Brad is a good Brad if they, if they kind of. That's how the Celtics are going to respond. Maybe, maybe the even keel Brad needs to take a back seat because the the Celtics, right after that first half where they ended with three techs, they came out and started with a fourteen three run in the third quarter. Right after that, Jarebko got hit. They kind of knuckled down, started getting more turnovers. Uh, it was just, uh, I don't know where the intensity was, but maybe it takes getting your ass kicked three times in a row. Don't attend in your own. <laughs> You're t- attending your own funeral to really make a change. Feels like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge or something like that. All right. And sorry if I sound a little bit distracted because I'm just looking at some breaking news coming down over Twitter that appear- apparently Al Horford suffered some sort of groin injury at the end of the game that uh, after the game he said something feels weird and uh, he played through it. And he said, like, the adrenaline of that game obviously carries you through. But the he apparently suffered some sort of groin something or other. Celtics have one get one day off, and then they play Orlando on Friday and Milwaukee on Saturday. Another back-to-back, the fourth and fifth, uh, the third and fourth game in five nights. So the Celtics might be shorthanded without Horford on Friday uh, and without uh, Avery Bradley, we'll have to just kind of see how that goes if Horford makes the trip. The Celtics notoriously con- conscious, uh, uh, careful uh, w- with this, so we'll have to see. Which sucks. After after Horford had this great night, he had that roll uh, and dunk uh, early on. I mean, clearly very aggressive. Some really great defensive plays, diving for loose balls, and, and starting fast breaks. The Celtics, a couple times tonight, I was saying to you, who am I watching? What's going on here? It's almost like we were watching last year's team come back. And they time-traveled and, and started with the, the, the energy and the, the defense and the turnovers and, and scoring fast break points. It was just kind of fun to watch. But hopefully now this, there's not a, a damper on this with an injury to Horford. Yeah, I noticed that uh, some people tweeting about that Horford injury during the game, and apparently he he waved off uh, a sub. So who knows if it was a, just adrenaline going in? But the last thing the Celtics could need right now is um, another injury, especially with Avery Bradley out, and we've seen kind of how they played without Al Horford. So it's definitely something to to keep uh, keep an eye on moving forward, and we'll see what the kind of the reaction is at practice tomorrow. But I don't know. Back to this game, it just felt like uh, 
we saw some of the patterns of kind of bad Celtics games in the past was of kind of bad um, starts to the second quarter. The bench not really stepping up and doing that well. Um, but it seems like the starters were able to kind of to overcome that. Uh, I thought Jarebko had a really uh, a nice solid game, and he was doing those to kind of Jarebko type things now as I watched him on Comcast Sportsnet with some stitches in the corner of his lip, kind of looking like a, I don't know, like a little Frankenstein. But um, <laughs> I thought he, he made the he made a corner three, but he also did those kind of classic Jarebko hustle plays. And maybe if that's the catalyst uh, the Celtics need or something like kind of just the source of energy that they need moving forward, it's something that they should um, maybe consider – a change in the starting lineup because I just don't know how like what's the point of trotting the, the Amir Johnson's corpse out there to play less than 15 minutes a game, um, and it seems like they need some sort of change. And this Jarebko thing, I know it's something that's only happened when they actually played the Rockets this year, but it feels like it's worked. And so why not try it against uh, moving forward? That, I'm sure there's some consideration for that. Amir Johnson played. Not even 11 minutes tonight. And there were points earlier in that, se- in that second quarter where we were looking at this, and I was definitely looking at the, the, first, the first half of the second quarter, is here we go again. A- another lull, and that's where the Celtics hit their lulls because that's when the bench comes in, and they, they just they don't really communicate. They, don't really, they can't play at the same level, especially when the bench is this bench minus like the – the healthy Celtics bench. You know what I mean? That when Avery Bradley is healthy and other guys like Tyler Zeller still, I think recovering from that he's available, but he's still recovering, you know? So you go to James young a little bit, you go to Gerald green, you know, Olenek is so hit or miss that some, some days he is when he, when he doesn't think when he just goes out there and plays, he he can be really good when he just catches and shoots and is aggressive. He can be really good, but when he's not, then man, he can be bad. And you don't know what you're going to get from from game to game. So I'm sure that there's some consideration for a change in the starting lineup, and, and maybe one thing you consider. Okay, so maybe one thing you consider is Jarebko at the four. In certain situations, like against an athletic team like like Houston, you can get away with that. But against a bigger team, a stronger team like Memphis, you can't. That's just not the right game for a Jarebko to play at all. But maybe there's a situational starting lineup type of thing where, like, okay, Orlando's coming up. They they they're big, they're long. I don't know if Jarebko is the right guy to play in that game. But maybe you go, maybe you try to counter that with somebody small. Maybe you start Jalen Brown. Maybe you go Isaiah and and Jalen and Crowder with, or or maybe you go Isaiah Smart, Jalen Crowder and and Horford, and you you try to counter their length with some small ball. Or something like that. And I'm I'm a proponent of starting Jalen Brown, even though he's a rookie, even though he make, makes a ton of mistakes. 
because I'd rather have him out there with four really good players than coming off of the bench where everybody's kind of lesser talent. I'd rather have him out there with four really good players because they can make plays for him and they can space the floor for him and he can go out there and maybe make some plays. Not necessarily, it didn't work out that way for him tonight, but I like the idea of him out there with those guys, at least if you make the right cuts and you start to do some of the right things, they'll find you and they can raise his game a little bit. So I think sometimes him coming off the bench with some of those other players who shouldn't be on the floor, that, that kind of hurts him a little bit. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are some changes to the starting lineup that could be made. Uh, yeah, I kind of have two responses there to the starting lineup thing. It def- of course it's going to be matchup based, but I feel like the, just the energy that, Jarebko gives you is kind of what this Celtics team was. I guess the energy, the fight, the intensity is something we saw that, uh, was definitely lacking in those in the three losses. So of course you're not going to run that out uh, every single night, but I think just I really like the kind of just the punch he gave the the Celtics tonight because they they were fighting and that's something that they were definitely lacking, especially um, in Washington. As for starting Jalen Brown, I think that makes a whole lot of sense because tonight we saw Jalen Brown did not have a very good game. He only played 13 minutes. He got four fouls incredibly early. Actually did not step on the court the second half, but that's kind of what happens is like you give him the chance to to kind of see what he can do with the starters early on. And if he doesn't have it that night, it's you bench him for the rest of the second half and you move on with the rest of your team. It's like kind of like a no harm, no foul situation. If he does give you like something, then you can you can bring him back and have him build on that. So the idea of him starting kind of makes more sense to me because you're not. It just doesn't seem like he's at the point where you're going to have want him playing kind of late in games unless he's earned it. So why not get him some good run at the start to, um, like you said, play with some more experienced players, play with some better players. Uh, it was interesting that he started tonight. We don't know if that was um, Marcus Smart being punished. Uh, for kind of his on-the-bench antics, or it was uh, a matchup issue, it doesn't really strike me. It didn't make too much sense as a matchup issue because uh, Crowder was the one on Horford, and so that left um, Jalen Brown on... I mean, not on Horford, on Harden, and that left Jalen Brown on, I think it was Ariza. I mean, maybe with Ariza's length, you wanted someone as tall as Brown out there instead of Marcus Smart, but if it... I'm not sure the exact reason Jalen Brown started tonight, but it felt like something like a, a, a useful experiment just to get him some some more minutes, some more touches. Yeah, I, I really do think it was a matchup thing, and unless I mean Brad Stevens certainly could be giving the the press alternative facts when it comes to why he was starting, but against an athletic team like like uh, Houston and looking at what happened the past few games, I think. Putting Crowder on Harden was the impetus for it all, and then you start to figure out, okay, what else do you do? And rather than have Smart come in and you know maybe get switched on to Harden, and Harden can use a little more length on him, and also you keep maybe you decide to keep Smart on the bench so he can come in with that second unit and kind of calm them down a little bit. That's the thinking coming in. So you you put you put a, a Jalen Brown in there with the starters to match their athleticism. But we'll see what happens moving forward because we might be in a position where without a fully healthy team, Brad Stevens going to have to go back to experimenting. And so, 
I guess it all just depends on when we get Avery Bradley back and what happens with Al Horford. Let's get to a couple of tweets using the hashtag Jays, no G. We're too cool for G's. So I at I'm like Mike723. Great win. Signature win. Thomas is amazing. Horford showed his skills. Jerebko was a martyr. Refs were bullshit. Uh the refs weird. Some, sometimes it's just hard to hard to really grasp what's going on. And I know it, there's a human element, and I, I don't want to just totally bag on referees. A couple couple of things that really stood out. One, Harden at the beginning of the game thought he got fouled in the corner. Spent that let two trips bitching up and down the floor. He let you know in which he let Isaiah Thomas hit a three because he didn't come back and play any defense. He's too busy bitching. And then the referees turn around and whip off, what was it, three, four technical fouls? One on Brad, one on Smart, one on Jarebko. Uh, I don't know. Was there another one in there? No, it was just but those three. Those three. So, And those were like quick trigger technical fouls. So why doesn't... Uh, why doesn't Harden get one for all of those antics, yet the Celtics get them? It would, it, that's just something that stands out. And, and, and as a fan, you sit there and you're like, what, where's, the, uh, where, where's the equality there? And then at the end of, was it the, at the end of the half, where Harden comes down, catches Rozier napping, does that little... Uh, flip flip his arms up, he, not really a natural shooting motion, but close enough where he caught he caught uh, he caught Rozier reaching and he drew three free throws. Isaiah Thomas comes down the very next possession, catches I forget who was defending him, catches him sleeping. Same situation goes up, gets fouled as he's going up. It seemed to me, but the Celtics get the ball side out. It just didn't seem like there was uh, a lot of, you know, if you make the one call on one side, why are you making the same call on the other side? So the refs were bullshit in, in some respects. Uh, Alex at straight no chaser, no over, overreacting either way. Nice win. On to the next one. Uh, at Z Hines, no question, just a comment. Signature win. I agree with that. Uh, Daniel Reifler at Reifsey. There will not be a more satisfying win this season. Got their composure back and played hard. I, I Right now, most satisfying win of the season. I like that. At home, after everything, I agree. I don't know if you do, Sam, but we'll see. There, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for more satisfying wins this season. Yeah, I mean, if they if they win a playoff series, I hope that clinching game would be more satisfying than this win in January. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's yes. that's just me. But uh, oh, it's absolutely right. It's kind of after the the mini meltdown we saw uh, last night and during the day today on Celtics Twitter. It was uh, it's nice to have some positive feelings about the Celtics, and it should should continue at least uh, for another couple of days with the. The Raptors lost tonight. The Cavs lost tonight. So right now the Celtics are only a half game back of the two seed, only three and a half games back of the one seed, which is kind of absurd given kind of the way they've been playing recently. Um, so it was it was a, a, a fun win tonight. And most of all, a double win. The Miami Heat apparently pulled off a crazy like 20-point comeback against the Nets. And the Nets are now the worst team in the league by four and a half games. So everything is going to Everything's coming yeah. in the house. Five and a half games now back with the worst record. So 
Thank you, Miami. It's two bad, two bad teams playing one another, and and the Nets just blowing a huge lead. Uh, I'll tell you what's not coming up, Millhouse. That New Jersey, we got to talk about this. The new ads on jerseys. So we'll, we'll wrap up the game coverage. Let's get into this and and talk about the that patch on the Celtics jerseys, which was revealed today. General Electric and put a little two inch circle on the top left of the jersey. We have it. It's all over the place. We have it on RedsArmy.com. And it's a green and white General Electric logo, the GE. So, Sam, I'll let you go first. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Personally, I don't know if this is because I'm like a, a younger dude and wasn't around for like the Bird era Celtics and not as in tune with tradition, but it feels like if you're going to have a, a kind of advertising patch on the jersey, and we all know that that was coming, that this kind of small patch, um, not really that flashy, within team colors on the corner, just doesn't seem like something I'm really going to notice moving forward. And then I'm a fan of it being GE just because I'm a huge 30 Rock fan, so now I can make a bunch of Shineheart wig company and <laughs> jokes like that moving forward. Um uh, we've already seen some great some photoshops of Jack Donaghy with some some posters up in his office with the Celtics logo uh, like photoshopped in. Uh, shout out to Sam Sheehan and uh, Danger Cart. So I'm not that offended by it. With like like uh, the Celtics brass were trying to sell this as like it's not just this sponsorship. We're also going to be using the full analytic computing power of General Electric. That really seemed like nonsense to me. No, they're just going to be making a crap ton of money. Um, with that patch on your jersey, but to me, I really don't think it's a it's going to be a big deal moving forward. I, I really don't think it's like that uh, something you would notice that much, like in a game setting or just watching on television. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and and I'm a, I've been around a little bit longer than you. I get it. I get it's annoying. It, it's you don't want to see. You know, you don't. You just don't want things to change. A lot of people don't want things to change, but. You know what? Change is inevitable. We knew this was coming, and the NBA announced it a while ago that ads would be coming. We got the StubHub ad in in Philly. That's coming, and the Almond ad coming up in, in Sacramento. We saw those, and you had to know that something was coming with the Celtics. So, yeah. Iconic jerseys? Sure. Historic? Yeah, absolutely. But Times change, and you could cry about times changing and try to hold on to those times, but that causes a lot of problems. You either evolve or go extinct, as far as I'm concerned, and the ads are here. They are here. They're always going to come, and so we, you kind of have to get used to it. Even if you don't like it, you kind of have to get used to it and accept it because it's only going to get more intrusive from here. They're going to either get bigger or maybe go to the other side, or over the course of 20 years, I, I bet you when we do whatever a podcast equivalent will be in the year 2037, we'll sit there and be like, hey, remember when it was just a little patch? Man, I want to go back to those days. Why can't we go to the classic, simple patch jerseys that we've always had and not these things? Like People will be trying to hold on to this thing that everybody's so pissed off about today. I just think, let, let, let it go. I think Brad Stevens had the best quote about it pregame. He was asked about kind of going he against did. tradition. And he said, 
I mean, we were wearing gray sleeves last night, so there's really not much you can argue about. They're already going to wear those yeah. pajamas, so what's a little patch going to really change things? Uh, so, right. you know what? If the Celtics can make some extra money um, in the process, may, who knows? Maybe the, the fact that they have this GE sponsorship will mean that next season or two seasons down the line, they're going to be more willing to kind of go into the luxury tax and kind of keep paying uh, more for free agents. So it's just it's... It's not something I'm going to get uh, upset about and just kind of embrace the future. That's it. That's all you can do, you know, because you know what? You're not going to change anything. <laughs> we can bitch and moan. Uh, if you decide that you want to not watch basketball after this because of a patch on the jersey, that's not going to hurt them. They're sorry. You're only hurting yourself. It, or maybe you're just not enough big enough basketball fans to, to care. I mean, if if this if this is what's going to get you to stop watching basketball, then you weren't really that big of a fan to begin with. So we'll we'll forget about this by this time next year. We'll, we'll just kind of forget that that patch even exists. All right, uh, let's see. I think that's it. You got any final thoughts? Uh, one final thought is the heading into the All Star break. The Celtics now have a chance. It's back in play. Brad Stevens could be a coach of the uh, the All Star game, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, the Celtics actually, it's interesting. Uh, the Raptors and Celtics kind of switch opponents this weekend, so the Celtics will play the Magic. Um, wow, I'm completely blanking on the who they're playing on Saturday. Milwaukee, Magic the Milwaukee. Thank you for that save. Um, so, and the Raptors are actually doing the opposite; they're playing Milwaukee and the Magic. So. Be, uh, they're tied in the loss column right now. It'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how they deal with both of those teams moving forward. And who knows, maybe we'll get Brad Stevens uh, in the locker room kind of palling around with uh, LeBron James and Jimmy Butler and other, other <laughs> elites in the East. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. And, and I think really when we look at everything that's happened, we can't look at the Celtics' performance in a bubble. The Celtics have now gained – in all of this in the past week where they have been terrible except for this Rockets game, they have gained what, a game and a half on the Raptors. So that's actually worked out pretty well. So it's, you know, you, if you can go through a, a skid and actually come out ahead, that's that's really great. That's actually a pretty great stretch because – there are times when you'll win four or five games in a row, and so will they, and you won't get anything out of it. So it all works out. It all works out how it's going to work out. It's a long season. We can't get caught up in these little blips because it's just all overreaction. So on that note, that's our Thursday show. I'm sure Jay King will find an adequate guest to join him for the Friday show on the off day. And then, uh, yeah, so I will, I will not be on that show tomorrow. I'm taking the day off, damn it. And, uh, yeah, but you should listen. You should subscribe. You should rate us five stars. Search for us if you're a first-time listener. Locked on Celtics. However you got here, there's got to be a way to subscribe on that. Do that. Follow us. Follow us on Twitter, at Rainin underscore Jays. That's a great way to subscribe. Just follow, and those podcasts will come out. You can actually listen right on Twitter. And uh, so that's an easy way to do it. Follow us on Audio Boom. Uh, rate us five stars. Tell your friends. Retweet the shows when we tweet them out. Let people know who we are, where we are, where we can find us. 
It's going to be one of us three or two of us three, me, Sam, Jay King, Monday through Friday, here on the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.